0: Previously, in the Bible. The sons of Israel rose out of Egypt in battle array. Moshe summoned the elders of the nation and put the words Jehovah had commanded before them. If someone hits a guy and the guy dies, the first guy dies for sure. Anyone who fucks an animal gotta die right away. (laughs) All the tools of the sanctuary, all its service, its pegs, and the pegs of the courtyard... Will be copper.
1: Take some of the blood on the altar oh. and from the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aharon, his clothing, and his sons and their clothing.
0: For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible is meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! <laughs> Welcome to episode 31 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman, coming to you in front of a live audience at Beauty Bar in New York City. Give it up for yourselves. Packing this place out. Ethan Munch on the show. A guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Hebrew Bible while I make fun of it. And tonight, we're reading the eighth portion of Exodus, known in Hebrew as Ketisa, and in English, as you'll see. Uh, tonight is Monday, April 27, 2015, uh, I don't know why we care, but I think people seem to think that's important on the internet, so I just said the date. Uh, as always, I want to thank Juicy for being our internet partner and posting the episodes semi-regularly as soon as they go up. Um, and that's about it. I'm really excited for this episode, and I'm really glad that all you guys are here tonight. Um, the second half of Exodus is uh, what biblical scholars call boring. Um And we're smack in the middle of it. And very luckily, uh, we have an awesome reader here tonight. And also, uh, actual plot happens in this episode. So I'm really excited to bring him out and to hear things actually happening. Are you guys ready for your guest? So this guy, um, he is the uh, founding editor of a website called Unpious. He is uh, a big part of a crew of OTD, or Off the Derek, or of Jews, Jews who have kind of left... Uh, being very, very serious religious Jews. And most recently, he is the author of the amazing memoir, All Who Go Do Not Return. Give it up for Shulam Dean. Look at this book. This is a great book. Th- how are you doing, Shulam? How are you doing today? I'm tonight? doing
1: really well. This is really exciting. This is I, w- I want to say, yep. I'm among the people who think this show is an abomination. Oh, my and God. That's a good thing. <laughs> mm. That's what makes it great. You know what
0: else is an abomination? Tell me. Uh, seeing your sister-in-law naked, I think. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else. Thank you so much. Why do you think it's a good thing that it's an abomination?
1: Well, I think we should be irreverent wherever we can. I think we should uh, we should seek to undermine establishment wherever we can because <laughs> establishment sucks, and it's usually misguided. Um, And, yeah, I think this is a great project. I think we need to rewrite the Bible and and have fun with it. I think so. I think it's
0: about time we finally had fun with this thing. It's been so dour and mean for so long, I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of fun to be had, as we'll see today. Um, I had some questions. Well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, Sure. So your book, All Who Go, Do Not Return, is a really affecting kind of amazing – yeah, you're good. Okay. It's really an incredible story. You grew up uh, in New Square in New York. Or you grew up in you grew up in Borough Park and then kind of came of age in New Square in New York right. and were sort of excommunicated uh, from the New Square community in your twenties. I think is that right? I was thirty. You were thirty. Oh my God! I'm turning thirty in a mu- in two months, so I want to pretend that thirty is still in your twenties. Um, tell us about the process behind writing this book. Where did it come from? The process.
1: Uh, well, I wanted to write a book. That was the most important thing to me. Uh, I had to decide what kind of book I was going to write. And it, uh, I had an agent who was willing to represent me for a memoir. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's
0: a good reason. I like that yeah, process. I, I mean, it was
1: a tough decision deciding to write a memoir because when you write a memoir, you have to it's not just you're telling a story, you're telling your own story and you put yourself out there in a way that I wasn't initially entirely sure that I wanted to do that. Uh, but I did make that decision and, and I think it was a good decision. I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with what came out. Uh, it's been very well received, so um, I'm yeah definitely proud of it.
0: It's really uh, a very affecting and very well written book. It's, well, it's thank you. your story is really, um, I mean, I connect on to it on a personal basis. I too was somebody who grew up in a in a very religious community and then kind of had to tear myself away from that community. But um, your tearing away was even more painful and more
1: right. Uh, and also, hard. I was married yes. and I had kids, and yeah, that that adds considerably to the equation there. Absolutely. What, what I
0: thought was interesting was just how um, cloistered the community that you came from was. Uh, it, you know, from my, it, it's funny because in my experience, I grew up modern orthodox, a sort of cloistered community, but it's really strange. I mean, you kind of have the same structures and psychological constraints pe- keeping people in place, the fear of leaving, the fear of uh, not being part of your community anymore. Um, but for instance, I noticed that uh, one of the illicit movies that you watched was the movie Beethoven.
1: Correct, (laughs) yeah. which That was uh, one of the first movies I watched, yeah. Yeah, which...
0: As an adult, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is very funny, because that was one of the first movies my parents took me to as a child. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. That's really funny. Well, I'll tell you you the first movies I watched that I got on my own from Blockbuster when I had a... uh, In the year 2000, when I got a uh, uh, laptop with a DVD, with a DVD player, I got Titanic... (laughs) <laughs> and Big Brother with Adam Sandler. And I thought they were both brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Has your I'm sorry, opinion not Big Brother. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Big daddy. Has yeah. Your op-
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> very very important difference. Has your opinion changed As on Big pi- Daddy? On Big Daddy? Well, yeah, I, I watched <laughs> it again. We asked the important questions here. On I watched watch
1: it again way. years later, and I was like, this does not have the same impact yeah um, and I think we have that often when we w- you know if you read a book later in life, like that the you Bible. really loved w- that, <laughs> that's one of them yeah. I don't know that I ever re- really loved the Bible, uh, <laughs> but I certainly have a different perspective on it, but some you know usually you, you read or you watch something as a kid, and later as an adult, you don't see the impact. I watched those movies when I was around 24 25, 26 mm-hmm. um, and so I was a full grown adult when I first started watching movies w- in my home. And so 10 years, and so I was, in many ways, I was a child. Mm-hmm. And so 10 years later, watching the movie over again, it's like, this is just stupid. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> happens
0: to the best of us. I think one of the things that was interesting, too, is just where, you know, the process of you leaving was very interesting to me, because it, it partly starts just with the radio. You're, I mean, you're so disconnected to the outside world that in your community, having a radio is forbidden. It's right, right. a dangerous thing. I mean, you yeah. listen to traffic reports. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an I illicit th- thrill. Th- the
1: first time I, I, yeah, the first time I turned on the radio, I think it was Curtis Sliwa. I don't know how many people are familiar with him, <laughs> um, the Guardian Angels guy, and he's a right wing person. He was talking about a guy he called Alan Dirty Dirtyshirts, who I had <laughs> no, I- no idea who, who he was talking about, but uh, he was probably talking about Alan Dershowitz. and he yes, was angry at him so. for some reason. Um, but it was—I was mesmerized by traffic reports and by you know. There's a mattress sale in Paramus, and there's a. There's a there's I a mean, a,
0: mattresses are expensive. It's yeah. It's I mean, hard I, to get a good mattress. Feel. I'd never
1: bought a mattress before, but it was just—it was really captivating. There was you know a, a sale in a car dealership in Lowdin, New Jersey. That was like, it was incredible. And the, you know, the car stuck in the left lane on the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> that, that stuff was just like you know. There's a world out there, and that was I was I really was taken by it. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's funny because if you keep somebody that cloistered, it's really hard to restrain curiosity once you start to get an inkling of it. You know, um, and, and part of what's so interesting about your process is that you, you're just searching for the answers. You're just trying right. to find the truth. Like, there's a moment where you go to the rabbis and you're criticized for asking these questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, like, and I experienced a similar kind of thing where you're criticized for suggesting that this stuff hasn't been answered already. Um, which is is infuriating and not great way to keep people in line. Yeah, I remember a seminal moment for me was I asked a question uh, to a rabbi, and he told me that the Rambam says that there's no answer.
1: <laughs> right, and that's and I was the like, answer. Well, and that's supposed to be the answer. It.
0: That's supposed to be an answer. That's not right. an answer.
1: Right. Well, f- number one, that's not an answer. Number two, the Rambam lived what close to a millennium ago. Right. Um, how is that relevant to a world in which we have? have made so many advances in what we understand of the universe. Uh, The Rambam might have been a genius, was a genius in his time, but what does he have to offer on matters of theology or philosophy or the natural sciences for a person in 2015? Um, Yeah, I mean, Um, he didn't have Tinder. There you go. (laughs) Yeah uh, no I mean he, it, should, I think he it's certainly th- couldn't be writing listicles for Buzzfeed and exactly like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you never know those thirteen articles of faith these are like yeah. the <laughs> top <laughs> thirteen articles of faith from the nineties you would have to spice it up a little bit make yes, it a exactly. little more you know throw a meme in there yeah, throw a picture. that that could be
1: your next project you know
0: <laughs> what if <laughs> I told you God is no age um I think you won't inter-
1: believe what the fifth commandment <laughs> what the fifth <laughs> principle is
0: <laughs> I think it's interesting that you bring up Alan Dershowitz just because um, our last guest. Uh, uh, Katie Lazarus actually told a story about seeing Alan Dershowitz um, uh, uh, walk around naked on a beach. So, it's, which is apparently a thing that he did in life yeah, or I'm does. I'm not sure I
1: wanted that image, but yeah, okay, no, thank you.
0: So she shared it with me, and I'm sharing it with all of you. I think it's interesting that um, the nickname on the uh, Sliwa and Kubi show is "Dirty Shirts" because right. apparently he is not into shirts at all. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, so one of the things that I asked all my guests about is I, I want to know where you are right now in terms of religion, because I think it's interesting just to have that perspective as we go into reading this sure. wacky book.
1: Uh, I, I'm not a religious person at all. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I have no, I do not believe in anything that, uh, I do not believe. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't subscribe to any idea of belief. I, I have trust, and I have trust in, one of the things I trust in is, is science. Because science is proven and science has gained my trust. I'm not a scientist, but I know that, you know, if I get into a car and turn on the ignition, I know it will turn on. Right. So I've come to trust science. Um, you know, I know if I get into an airplane, it'll fly. Because God is carrying it. Uh, well, that's w- that's some people would say that, but you know, I, you know, and but I don't believe anything beyond that. I don't, I don't. Uh, I have no religious or spiritual orientation. Right now so what is your
0: understanding with that in mind of where the book that we're about to read where does it come from
1: well I think it's it's uh, the really important founding literature of not only not only the Jewish people but uh, the whole Judeo-Christian tradition uh, the whole Abrahamic faith tradition Mm -hmm. uh, which includes so much of the world probably a huge part of the world
0: and half of them haven't read it yeah
1: well yeah Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, see. Uh, do
0: you, is there a story in this massive tome of text that sticks out to you or a character that you identify with?
1: That's an interesting question. I've never thought of that. A character I de- identify with in the Bible. Yeah. In, in the five books of Moses. In or the, the
0: entire Tanakh, in
1: all of it. The entire Tanakh. You can uh, even go. Uh, I, I all mean, the I would have to, to think of, me of me some of the badasses. Um, you got your Korah. You got your ace Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But, you know, interestingly enough, I, I think there's something about David. There is. There's something about David because he was, I mean, he was a really, really flawed person. Yes. And yet he was also a tremendous person mm-hmm. as, a, as an individual. He was uh, there was something just really human and an incredibly I mean we don't know who wrote Psalms but, uh, but we have a tradition that David was an incredibly creative person mm-hmm. and whoever did write Psalms and attributed it to David clearly thought that appropriate yeah um, and the Psalms are, are and are just incredibly beautiful on on any level clearly mm-hmm. somebody is just there are can't out wait to heart. mangle them yeah <laughs> um, I think there's tremendous value in some of the b- biblical literature, even as, as infused as it is with religious feeling. Yes.
0: I think, I mean, they, they're really incredible uh, just faith-based stories. They're incredible. What, to me, in my understanding now, are just epic adventure stories, and then there's a lot of stuff that should not be in it. Yeah. Um, I think, well, are you guys ready to read the Bible? <laughs> We've been talking about it so much. Are you ready, Shalom? I absolutely am. All right. So this is, just to give you some context, um, the Hebrews left Egypt. uh, All of Egypt was pretty much destroyed. Uh, God gave a bunch of rules to Moses on the mountain. Or there was a massive, what seemed like, volcano on Mount Sinai. God gave a bunch of rules and then just kept talking for a really long time, and he's still talking. This is Torah, a loose translation. Book 2, Names, Part 9, When You Take, chapter 83, in which there is a census. Uh, and if you're following along in the normal text, Exodus thirty eleven to thirty sixteen.
1: 16. When you take a head count of the sons of Israel, Yehovah said to Moshe, everyone must give an atonement for his soul while you count. That way, there's no plague during the census. A
0: reasonable thing to fear during a census. Certainly. You remember the census plague of 2010. It's, right, right.
1: Good point. As they pass by for the census, each will bring half a shekel of the holy shekel. Is there any other kind? A shekel is twenty gerah. The half shekel will be a tribute to Jehovah. Everyone twenty years and older who comes for the counting will give a tribute to Jehovah. If there's one thing God needs, it's money. <laughs> the wealthy can't give more than a half shekel, and the poor cannot give less as the tribute they bring to Jehovah to atone for their souls. So my father is a tax
0: attorney, and he likes to refer to this verse as proof that God is a supporter of the flat tax.
1: Huh. Take the atoning silver from the sons of Yisrael. Um, It
0: calls out that this is from the males over 20, so clearly sons is accurate here.
1: And put it towards the work of the tent of witnessing. It will be a memorial to Jehovah. That way, the sons of Yisrael can atone for their souls.
0: And if you've been following along, they've been doing a lot of sinning, so they have a lot to atone for. That's chapter 83. Uh, Just a note. Um... I guess Jehovah is. I'm trying to translate the name of God literally. I don't call him God. I call him Jehovah to try to represent uh, what the text may have meant when it was written. Because I think God is kind of a construct that we attach Jehovah to. Now I don't know if they really thought of it as God the way we do. Chapter 84, in which cleanliness is requested by godliness. Exodus 30:17 to 30:21.
1: Make a copper sink, Jehovah said to Moshe. Oh boy, with a copper pedestal for washing. Yeah. Put it between the tent of witnessing and the altar. Put water in it. Well, duh. Wash Aaron and his sons with it. Wash their
0: hands and their feet. I'm glad he specified which body parts, otherwise this could have gotten dicey.
1: (laughs) When they come to the tent of witnessing, wash them with water so they don't (laughs) die.
0: God is a lot like your mom. If you walk into the house with dirty feet, they're both totally going to kill you. Right.
1: Also, when they go to the altar to smoke up a fire offering to Jehovah wash their hands and feet so they don't die. Mm-hmm. This will be an eternal decree for him and his seed for generations. That's
0: chapter 84. Chapter 85, in which things get awesome. Exodus thirty twenty-two
1: 22 to 30, 34. Take some head spices for yourself, Jehovah said to Moshe. Hell yeah. 500 of pure myrrh. Yeah. 250 of smelly cinnamon. Uh-huh. 250 of cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I'm getting very alternative here, um, but there is a Polish anthropologist named Sarah Benitoa, who later changed her name to Sula Bennett, and she believed that the Hebrew kane refers to cannabis. So if there's at least one scholar who says it, I am going with that translation.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. 500 of keda based on the holy shekel. (laughs) Okay. And a hin of olive oil. So according to
0: the rabbis, a hin is 12 lugs. So take note.
1: That's, that's helpful. Yeah, Make it into a holy anointing oil, mix it up, and blend it. It'll be a holy anointing oil. Yeah,
0: it'll be so damn holy. What's cool is that um, apparently cannabis uh, it can be applied transdermally, so while it does not have a psychoactive high, if you anoint somebody with cannabis oil, there is some tingly stuff going on. If you're a priest, you get to
1: experience that. Anoint the tent of witnessing with it. Ew. And the Ark of Testimony. (laughs) So messy! Yeah, and it looks like the tent and the Ark were also experiencing Yeah, and a waste of weed. And the table, all its tools, the candelabra and all its tools, the incense altar, the offering altar and all its tools, the sink and its pedestal. Sanctify them. Could have just said all of it, but okay. They will be so damn holy. Whatever touches them will become holy.
0: It's like the King Midas of holy-making.
1: Right? Also, anoint Aaron and his boys so they'll become holy, and Kohain to me.
0: Yeah, they're getting stoned.
1: (laughs) Say this to the sons of Yisrael. This will be a holy anointing oil to me for generations. Do not smear it on man meat. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I could have looked up what the rabbis say about that weirdness, but I'm
0: going to leave it as is.
1: Yeah, okay, well, just moving on. Man meat. And don't make any recipe like it. Like the secret formula for Coke this must be it. It is holy and will be holy to you. Anyone who makes anything like it and puts it on a stranger will be cut off from his nation.
0: <laughs> so you could just use the cannabis and then you're fine. That's chapter 84, 85, chapter 86 in which there is more holy oil, but it's a little bit less holy than the oil from before. Exodus 30:34 30, to 30:38. 30,
1: Grab yourself some spices, Jehovah said to Moshe. This is getting really repetitive, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Bible. Take Stacti, I, I have no idea how to pronounce these things, but <laughs> <you can laughs> nobody take does. Take Stacti, onica, Galbanum, Spices, and Pure Frankincense in equal amounts. Have a spice mixer, make a mixture of incense, totally mixed, pure and holy. Grind some of it finely and put it before the testimony in the tent of witnessing, where I will testify it to you. <laughs> It'll be a holy of holies. There are a to lot you. of things that are holy of holies. Okay. Don't make any other incense like this. It'll be holy to you for Jehovah. Anyone who tries to recreate the smell will be cut off from his nation. These are very
0: harsh punishments for making perfume. But that's chapter 86. <laughs> And don't worry, I promise, the plot is going to pick up soon. Chapter 87, in which there's still more of this The tension is rising already. Yeah,
1: something's going to happen.
0: Something is going to happen. Exodus 31.1 to 31.11.
1: Now see here, Jehovah said to Moshe, I have called B'tzalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Yehuda by name, and filled him with the spirit of Elohim in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and every single kind of work.
0: So the word used for work here is malacha, which is apparently very point- important to the rabbis. I'll explain why in a minute.
1: I've made him able to design gold, silver, and copper to carve stone for filling and every other kind of work in the world. <laughs> the
0: only thing Mitzalo doesn't have is free will.
1: Kupa
0: so one thing that I've done is the word hine appears a lot in the Bible, and I'm tired of seeing the word behold over and over again. So Koopa Troopa is just one of the many substitutions.
1: It, it does, does it have a meaning? Or does, does everybody know what Koopa Troopa Koopa is?
0: Koopa Troopa um, are, is a character from the Super Mario Brothers video uh-huh. game. Um, they are small turtles with shells on your back, and if you jump on them, they'll retreat into the shell, and then you can kick the shell.
1: I see. When yes. you have extra as guests, like, <laughs> you, you need to, like... That needs Something to be explained. I have no you idea. didn't watch the, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you didn't watch the Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo and uh, Bob should I? D- <laughs> Do you recommend it? Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to anoint yourself with a lot of oil first.
1: <laughs> but yes. <yeah>. Okay, noted. <laughs> I so Koopa Troopa, <laughs> I've given Ahaliya son of Ahi Samach, from the tribe of Dan to him. Okay. <laughs> this guy has got all the wisdom of the heart. In his heart.
0: Also a lot of cholesterol.
1: <laughs> I've given him wisdom. He'll make everything I've commanded. The tent of witnessing, <sighs> the ark of testimony, the cover on it, all the tools of the tent, the table and all its tools, the candelabra of purity and all its tools. I don't know
0: when it became the candelabra of purity. That's the first time, but okay, whatever.
1: We'll go with it. Yeah. The incense altar, the ola altar and all its tools, the sink and its pedestals, <laughs> the service clothes. It's very legalistic. Yeah. The holy clothes for Aaron the Cohen. The clothes for all his sons to Kohen in, the anointing oil, and the incense for spices for sanctifying, just like I commanded you. Okay,
0: that's chapter 87. Chapter 88, in which God talks about the fucking Shabbos again. Exodus 31.12 to 31.18.
1: Now, Jehovah said to Moshe, say this to the sons of Yisrael. By
0: the way, I gotta say, Moshe's gotta have an
1: amazing memory to get all
0: of this verbatim, because I've forgotten most of it.
1: You must observe my fucking Shabbos. Okay,
0: so um, (laughs) one liberty that I've taken is uh, I think the Coen brothers are a very important influence on American culture. And when Walter Sobchak refers to uh, himself being Shomer fucking Shabbos, I take that as a note. So every time the word Shabbos appears in my translation, it is the fucking Shabbos, not Shabbat. This is the Gospel of Walter Subject.
1: Observe my fucking Shabbos because it is a sign between the both of us for generations so you know I am Jehovah who sanctified you. This is like the eighth time he's talking about this thing. Guard over the fucking Shabbos because it is holy to you. Its profaners must die right away. But the death penalty is new. Interesting. But we've seen some dying before. Yes, we have. The soul of anyone who does work during the fucking Shabbos must be cut off from within the heart of his nation. So the word for work here is
0: again malachah. The rabbis over the thousands of years that they had to warn, worry about this um, decide that because the same word is used when describing the work of the tent of witnessing or the sanctuary, um, the word work here must refer to all of the things that are done to make that, which is what where most of the prohibitions for the Shabbat come from. Um, in the actual text, the only real prohibitions are against doing work, whatever that means, and carrying a fire.
1: You'll do work for six days. Um,
0: five. Thanks, unions, for desecrating God's word. The seventh day is a
1: holy, shabbity fucking Shabbos to Jehovah. <laughs>
0: Shabbat Shabbaton.
1: Anyone who does work on the fucking Shabbos day must die right away. Ooh. The sons of Yisrael must guard the fucking Shabbos to make the fucking Shabbos for generations an eternal covenant it is signed between me and the sons of yisrael forever because for six days jehovah made the sky and the ground on the seventh day he rested and resold Mm -hmm. not his shoes but his soul when he was finished talking with moshe on mount sinai jehovah gave him the two stone tablets of testimony inscribed by the finger of Elohim.
0: So, very curious. This is finally the tablets, the traditional representation. You see Moses carrying them around, and they have the Ten Commandments on them. Um, But it doesn't say here that they have the Ten Commandments on them. Um, It kind of seems more like it has everything we just read, going all the way back to chapter 47 of this podcast. This is chapter 88, so that's like 41 chapters, the bulk of which has mostly been uh, directions for building and making clothes. So that's your Ten Commandments. That's chapter 88, chapter 89, in which the nation tries its best but still screws up big time. We're actually getting to some plot, Exodus 32.1 to 32.29. This is where it
1: gets exciting. Yeah. The nation noticed Moshe was a little late coming down the mountain. You can see the the narrative here is getting a little more, (laughs) right? Yes. There's some, some suspense building. No longer monologuing. They completely mobbed Aharon. Get up, they said. Make an Elohim that can travel ahead of us because we have no idea what happened to Moshe, the man who took us out of Mitzrayim. Well, he obviously fell into the volcano. This panic is totally reasonable. Take the gold earrings earrings from your women, sons, and daughters and bring them to me, Aaron said to them. Not you. I know you would never wear earrings. The whole nation ripped their earrings off and brought them to Aaron. He took the stuff, put it in a mold, and made them into a molten calf. Yisrael, he said. These are your Elohim who brought you up from Mitzrayim. Aaron saw all this and built an altar in front of the calf. Tomorrow is a festival to Jehovah," he called out.
0: So here's the thing. You know, the way the story is, they're, they're, they're worshiping an idol, but he's still calling it Yehovah. It's still the correct God. These guys are just doing their best.
1: They seem a little confused. They're very confused. Yeah. Their
0: leader disappeared.
1: The next day, they got up early. They brought olas and peace offerings. Things turned wild. Food and drink flowed, and an orgy broke out.
0: Okay, so the word here is litzachek, which has meant sexual stuff before, like when Avimelech saw Yitzchak diddling Rivka back in Genesis. If the whole nation is plain, litzachek, that kind of sounds like an orgy to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we keep the translations consistent. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Get down there, Yehovah said to Moshe. Your people who you brought out of Mitzrayim are going bananas. Oh, so
0: they start misbehaving, and all of a sudden they're your people? Come on, God. I
1: commanded them on a path, but they strayed so damn quickly. Oh, boy. They make a molten calf for themselves and bow to it and sacrifice to it and said, these are your Elohim Yisrael who raised you out of Mitzrayim. He
0: didn't even mention the orgy.
1: Uh-huh. I know these guys, Jehovah told Moshe, and heesh, they are some stiff-necked people. Yeah,
0: that's how you made them, buddy.
1: Get away from me. I'll burn them with my anger and destroy them. Then I'll make you into a great nation. You know, I don't think God gets people. <laughs> Moshe pled with Jehovah to his face. Yehovah, he said, why burn your anger at your nation? Smart throwing w- your right back at him. You took him out of Mitzrayim with great strength and a strong hand. Don't let Mitzrayim say he took them out, of, out in evil to kill them in the mountains, to wipe them off the face of the earth. Chill out with your burning anger. Calm your evil down. Remember what you yourself swore to your slaves, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov I'll make your seed increase like the stars of the skies, you said.
0: I love it when Moshe talks dirty. <laughs>
1: I'll give the entire land I talked about to your seed as their share forever. Jehovah, calmed down and let go of the evil he talked about doing to his nation. Moshe turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of testimony in his hands. There was writing on both sides of the tablet.
0: So there's a normal version of this verse and a crazy version. The normal version is that there is writing on both sides of the tablet. The crazy version is that there was writing that went all the way through the tablet somehow, and then if you turned it around on the other side, it read perfectly well on both sides of the tablet. It's right in the Gemara. God is magic.
1: (laughs) Elohim made the tablets by boring the writing into them. Yehoshua heard the nation clamoring. The sound of war is coming from the camp, he said to Moshe. Oh, poor kid has no idea what an orgy sounds like. I don't hear a sound of distress from the mighty, Moshe said, nor from the weak. But I do hear distress. This
0: is a job for?
1: When he got near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moshe's brow burned.
0: (laughs) He's running a fever.
1: He threw the tablets and broke them under the mountain. He took the calf they made and burned it in a fire, ground it until it was very fine, Sprinkled it on some water and made the sons of Yisrael drink it.
0: So that went from angry to super weird. You yeah. like this golden calf so well? Well, why don't you drink it?
1: This sounds like this is like, s- like also speaking of orgies, like we're, we're getting like this is like SNM shit, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but isn't that a drink? There's
0: Goldschlager, which is just right. a drink, people do that for fun. Yeah. What did a they weird do?
1: Moshe said to Aaron, You've done a real bad thing. Don't get your head all hot, master, Aaron said to Moshe. Put on a cold compress. <laughs> you know the nation is in a bad place. Make us an Elohim, they said to me, so it'll travel before us, because we don't know what happened to that Moshe guy who brought us up out of Mitzrayim. So I said to them, who has gold? They broke it off, tossed it in the fire, and the calf came out. Moshe saw the nation was exposed. Aaron had exposed them in shame to their enemies. Moshe stood at the gate of the camp. Whomever is for Jehovah, he said, to me. All the sons of Levi went to him.
0: Well, maybe they were the only ones who could hear
1: him, you know? You think? Yeah. I don't know. This is what Jehovah Elohim of Israel said. He said to them Everyone must grab his sword and go back and forth through the camp, killing their brother, their neighbor. And their kin. So this is weird because this never happened. Yehovah did not say that. The sons of Levi did what Moshe said. About 3,000 men fell that day.
0: Give or take. The Bible doesn't owe you exact numbers. Also, that's crazy.
1: That's some real like ISIS shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fill your hands.
0: 3,000 people. That's yeah, a lot. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: Fill your hands to Jehovah today, Moshe said, because today you've gone against your sons and brothers <laughs> so I can give you... A blessing. Wait, what the fuck?
0: Okay. That's 88. (laughs) That last line made no sense. That's all we've got time for. Join us in a couple of weeks for the next installment released on Thursday on Juicy.com and Friday everywhere else. And remember, you can talk back to me on Twitter, Facebook, omgwtfbible.com or omgwtfbible at gmail.com. Uh, if you like the show and want to check out a live recording, the next one is, well, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but it might be at Beauty Bar on May 25th on uh, Memorial Day, that is. Uh, if the bar is open, pay attention to the Facebook page, Twitter feed, and email list in order to find that out. The following show is the Big Fat Exodus Finale. That's going to be on June 22nd at 7.30 p.m. at Beauty Bar, our old Haunt. If you like the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It really helps. And be sure to always, always listen, because next time in the Bible...
1: Show me your glory, please, Moshe said. (laughs)